0: Christ above us, Christ below us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ beside us, Christ be with us, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. My earliest memories of our of the first house I lived in um, on Smithstone Road, way up in Marietta. Um, my mom brought home a big sack full of uh, timabilia this weekend. Um. I was her youngest, so she was kind of obsessed with me. All kinds of stuff. Even the report cards from college where I made all C's. <laughs> anyway, we lived way up in Marietta, and we would have to take road trips on the weekends and on the holidays down to up to Gainesville uh, to see my grandmas. And we had one of those wood-paneled station wagons. A lot of you probably had one of those and um, had those seats that that looked backwards and i really liked those seats because i got i got to be um, to rule those seats because they made everyone else car sick but me and we didn't have a dvd player in the car we didn't have we didn't even have an 8 track player in the car and i think it, it, on the first car we had it was just am radio and so we would play games, and they would especially try to play games to entertain me because I was the youngest of four children, and I was really horrible. And so we would play, uh, sing camp songs and church songs, and, and and I learned how to play poker by playing license plate poker with my brother. And But our favorite game was one that my dad learned from... Uh, making long trips uh, as a pilot sitting in the cockpit, a couple of his buddies, they would do these minute mysteries. And you would lay the mystery out, and then you could solve it by asking yes or no questions. And um, you know the one, like, you know, John and, John and Sally are on the floor dead in a pool of water with glass all around them. What happened? You know, well, they're goldfish, right? Um, sorry. My favorite one was... Uh, Truck driver Bob is going the wrong way down a one-way street. He passes by Officer Kathy, a policewoman, and she says, Hello, Bob, nice morning, but she does not stop him. Why? Bob's walking. Yeah. And so the answers to all of these riddles came by thinking a little differently, by reframing the problem, by thinking outside of the box, or maybe even just getting rid of the box altogether. And, you know, we could really use some of that counterintuitive thinking today. Um, Richard Rohr, a, a Franciscan monk and a theological writer that I like a lot, he says that the Beatitudes, the, the the words, the poetry that Jesus lays on us today, offer us a counterintuitive spirituality. I mean, if we listen to the Beatitudes and we pay attention, we have to stop and wonder what exactly was Jesus talking about because The world that he is describing to his listeners, the world that people are are living in when they read and and share this gospel out loud, the Matthaean world, as we call it, um, that world doesn't exist. The temple, the center of the known universe for Jewish people, was raised by Emperor Vespasian. People are scattered out into different places. Violence is the rule of the day. And all of the external signs that had brought them security had nearly been wiped off the face of the earth by the Romans. So when people heard these beatitudes from Jesus or uh, from the Matthaean community, they had to have said, really? Where was God when the Romans did all of this horrible stuff to us? Really? I'm supposed to feel blessed right now. Well, I think that runs true for us, too, though. I mean, we hear this and we think, what what, what world was Jesus living in? Not this one. We hunger and thirst for righteousness and we're left empty. We are merciful at times, and yet we witness mercilessness in our national life. And when we, or someone we love, or someone we feel called to love, is being persecuted. I don't see that, and I'm sure you don't either, Is inheriting a kingdom. We live in the midst of lies and dishonesty in our culture, in our own lives, in our national life. Where is the reward for living in that? And the meek, they don't seem to inherit much of anything, do they? We want Things to be better. We know we can do better. And still we wonder and we doubt how we can have this world that Jesus desires for us. You know, it's something like Paul talks about today. He has this great language where he says, uh, God chose what is foolish to shame the wise, what is weak to shame the strong, what is low and despised in the world to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. And we think, where? Where is that happening? You know, we often read the Beatitudes, and, and, and we mistakenly look at them as an outline for how uh, to live our lives. And you know, that too is impossible. When I first heard these words Um, In my third grade Sunday school class at First Baptist Gainesville, um, I remember them being sort of thrown at me as something that I wasn't going to live up to or never could live up to. And so we we tend to toss them away as nonsense when we hear them that way. So we need to do a little lateral thinking to really understand what Jesus was talking about and to be able to absorb uh, this kind of blessedness into our lives because God knows we need it, don't we? Richard Rohr uh, says that these words are about incorporating the inevitable disorder that happens from living life. He says, we win by losing, we find comfort by mourning, we find blessing by being reviled. We live in a way that even a blessing can be found in the hardest of times. So these words call us to a new way of living. Yet unlike the minute mysteries of my childhood, they don't have an easy lateral thinking kind of answer. The blessedness that Jesus describes, the world that he orients us towards, is is the real world, he's telling us. it's, It's a real world not ruled by our cynicism or our anger and it 's a world that we have to be willing to enter into as followers of Christ. We have to volunteer for this life. it doesn 't just happen in our wonderings of what this might look like let, let's let 's follow our hunches here because I have a hunch that this looks like something uh, something what, what happens in the minute mystery it our imaginations and our hearts and our, our minds open up, especially towards the other, especially towards difficulty and heartbreak, towards the untruthful and the unlovable, towards those who might wish us or those we love harm. Our minds and our hearts and our souls open up and new possibilities emerge and we enter into a state of willingness, not previously known. Writer Alexander Shia says that willingness is the seed from which change can sprout. And once, that it, once it has been planted, our journey of spirit will genuinely begin. And he continues, we encounter painful change, yet that within our grief and confusion... Like what Jesus describes in these blessings today, Shia says, we are able to also discern a greater and a more productive possibility for our lives. Again, all of this is lovely, but what can it possibly look like? Well, I'll speak from my own life. I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like trolling your high school friends on Facebook so much of that behavior i'm discovering is comes out of our need to feel better and to release our anxiety and our anger and i'm pretty sure it doesn't look like that i'm pretty sure it doesn't look like gathering off in our corners and being partisan and being outwardly cynical about everything especially about people it feels different from blaming it feels different from not having live conversations about difficult topics. There's a novel thought. Whatever it is we are willing to try differently, I do know this, friends. We are Easter people. We are not people of despair. Despair is about death. And if we are Easter people, death does not win. Looking out there at all of you right now, I can see so many communities that you support, so many missions that people have chosen for their lives and chosen to pursue. I see strong habits of prayer that we have for one another and even for people we don't like and even for people that we don't know. I see this willingness for us all to gather together together in this giant wood-paneled station wagon, and ride backwards through life. The whole motley crew of us. I see that going on this journey, what this will have to look like is about the church and about being the church. So how do we start? Well, the start of this may be as close as the person sitting right next to you in this room. Because first of all, we can practice this way by reaching across our differences and learning how to love one another. And we can even band together when that time comes to push back against injustice. We can keep on finding the reviled and the persecuted as we have always done, the lied and the forgotten. And we can be a place of blessing and a place of sanctuary for them. We can, together, allow our hearts to break for one another, to mourn for what is lost. We can be God's compassion then. We can share the heart that God has for humanity, and I mean all of humanity. When we are poor in spirit, we can reach out to others. and We can receive love from them, and we can join in God's kingdom on earth. We can be present to one another, to the lonely and the downhearted, the forgotten in our midst, and we can be their light if we are willing. If we are willing, we can find our blessing in angry times, in joyful times, in good times, in anxious times. If we are willing, we can be a blessing to one another in pain and in joy. If we are willing, we can even be a blessing to a broken world. Amen.